question. Good morning or evening, everybody. Or afternoon. Or afternoon for some, I'm I'm sure. Um, welcome to This is the Pits. My name is Michael Oberst. And my co-host today is none other than Chelsea Greenwood. And we're talking about the 2007 film, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Starring Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck. And someone else's. Oh, and so many people. Sam Rockwell, Zoe Deschanel. Sam Rockwell, Zoe Deschanel. I mean, I was so pleased to see Sam Rockwell. I fucking love Sam Rockwell. such a dreamboat? I love him so much. I fell in, the first. I remember the first time I fell in love with him was when he was in Charlie's Angels. Oh my God, that's a way back. I, my, I know. My first recollection of him was in uh, that Chuck Palahniuk movie, Choke. Choke. Yeah. I don't know if I saw that. Um, it was pretty raunchy. It was pretty great stuff. Then he was in that movie Moon, which was so good. Oh, I've been meaning to watch Moon for actually years, and it's... I just never feel like I'm in the right mood for it. <laughs> in the right mood for it. But um, bum All right. Anyway, so <laughs> this movie, um, for those who haven't seen or heard of this movie, first of all, not surprised, because it had terrible reception and terrible, like, marketing. So it's weird, because it actually got reviewed very highly. But theatrically, it did so poorly, and I think it was just because... It's like boring, and it came out at the same time as as No Country for Old Men mm. and There Will Be Blood. Oh my god, I remember that year so well. That it was a year. great year for yeah. movies, like such a good year. Actually, we should look at the. I'm gonna pull up the Oscars for from that year. Um, I think There Will Be Blood is my favorite movie of all time. That's so wild because I think um, No Country for Old Men might be my favorite. It's like between No Country for Old Men and and Whiplash are like. And Snatch. Whiplash and Snatch. Gosh. Remember Snatch? We watched Snatch. I remember Snatch. Um, I'd like to tell you the harrowing tale of how long it took me to watch this movie. Okay? Okay, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. So the movie is two hours and 40 minutes long. And I have a really – my job has been super boring for the last month, and then it's gotten very, very busy. So I sit down to watch this movie for the first time on a Wednesday – I'm like really excited. I start to watch it around nine o'clock. I get 40 minutes in. I pass out, which is, <laughs> which is understandable. Like that happens to me almost every week. We, I watch a movie and I just watch it twice. No problem. Second mm-hmm. time rolls around. I get the stomach flu. Oh, that's right. And poor so, Chelsea was violently ill <laughs> midway through watching it for the second time. I start puking my guts out and need to stop watching it. So much so that, like, I couldn't even watch it the next day. I was so laid out. So sick. We were supposed to record this. Then I was like, that's fine. Whatever. I'll watch it on Tuesday night. I have the whole night. I'm going to get home at 630. I'm going to watch the rest of this movie. At this point, I have an hour and 40 minutes left. I watch about 25 minutes, and I get a call from my sister saying, I need to take my daughter to the hospital. Can you please come up and watch? Oh, no. (laughs) She's bleeding profusely. (laughs) So now I've had the stomach flu. I've fallen asleep. And I've had to go to the hospital and without watching this movie. So basically, I ended up paying for it three times and finally finished it this morning, <laughs> refusing you, to... You should have just bought the movie. Yeah, I should have bought the fucking movie. I actually watched it at my boyfriend's house where we pirated it so I didn't have to pay for it a third time. Oh, my God. Don't say that on... I, I, I that paid out. my goddamn dues. I paid for it. No, you didn't. You stole it. No, I rented it three times. Hey FBI agents, just in case you're listening, I would never. I do not associate myself. I think, with I, think I paid Greenwood. my dues. I paid so much money for this. I paid ten dollars. That's more. That's more than this movie would be. Maybe a dollar in the bargain bin yeah. at Walmart. Yeah. Not so, that it's that bad of a movie. Yeah, just I was just going to ask the you. popularity level. Right. What was your overall vibes? Oh, I was bored out of my fucking mind you for were. this whole. You oh my god, I was so bored. You weren't swayed by the cinematography? Not really. I felt like it was they were try, it was so on the nose. I mean, I it was Roger Deakins, who's mm-hmm. an excellent cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um this movie, so by the way, now I'm looking at the Oscars for that year and I just want to point out um that No Country for Old Men like swept the Oscars. They won best picture. Mm. Joel and Ethan Cohen won Best Director. Mm. 
Daniel Day-Lewis won Best Actor for There Will Be Blood. Yeah, deservedly. Deservedly. Um, and then Best Supporting went to Javier Bardem from No Country. Uh, Best Adapted Screenplay is what No Country won. But Casey Affleck was nominated. For Best Supporting? Yeah. He was. Yeah. He was. Um, and I, I wonder if anything else was not... Was it nominated for Cinematography? It should have been nominated for Cinematography because it was obviously... Yes, it was. It was nominated. Yeah, of course. I mean, this was a cinematographer's movie. Um, it was. It just felt so... I was going to say, sorry, that it just felt really on the nose. The cinematography wasn't... It was good, but it was just like... Ugh, Montana sweeping. Hand. I hated that, like, blurred thing that they did. Oh, yeah. Around they the edges. They were trying to make it look... I think that that was the lenses that they were using. I think that was real. Like, that's just from using um, anamorphic lenses, right? No, that wasn't an anamorphic lens. Believe me, I know an anamorphic lens when I see a goddamn anamorphic lens. Everybody's using them every second of the day, all the time these days. (laughs) No, no, that was like an after effect. They, like, blurred out the thing to be like, make it maybe look like you're looking through the peephole of an old camera or something. I don't know. I wasn't wild about it. Here's my overall general take on the film. Yeah. There's a few things I need to lay out in advance. Number one, uh, there's nothing I love more than a Western movie set in this time zone. We've talked about it several times on this podcast. Late 1800s is my favorite time. So I'm in. Uh, I think it is beautiful, but I don't think, and this is not a cop-out. Normally we say the movie is too long. This movie is genuinely genuinely too long. Like, when it should be over, it keeps going and going. Basically, I think we should have just cut out the first half of the film. I didn't need any of the prep. I just, the dance between their relationship was intriguing enough that I didn't need to see the train robbery. And even if I did, I didn't need to see all the dancing and interplay. Like that being said, I did really like it, but I only liked it because of the last half. The last half was more interesting, but by then I was kind of burnt out. Exactly. Well, I mean, for me, since I watched it five different times, I really didn't do justice to watching it as a film as a whole. You know, like it was so distracting. Did you start it over each time, or did you just? Okay. I mean, I like did three steps forward and two steps back, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched the scene in which Robert Ford like tells Jesse James how similar they are and he has that little twinkle in his eye and he's like well you have blue eyes and i have blue eyes and like you are the third and i'm the third and yeah. one more thing before we carry on sorry i'm talking so much but i just wanted no, it's okay i want to make sure to lay this out yeah we've talked about casey affleck a lot on this podcast because of oceans yeah and we always say he's an asshole because he's a wife beater i just want to leave who he is in real life at the door for the rest of this podcast and focus on what a great acting job he did. I agree. Because sometimes sometimes you can't separate the art from the artist. Yeah. Because it's too like with Michael Jackson, it's really hard to do. Yeah. Because he what he did was pretty terrible, if it's true. Um but like in the case of Casey Affleck, like I can kind of it's sorta I mean, I know this is horrible to say, but it's sorta like a Kobe Bryant situation where it's like it's a little bit of a gray area, whether or not mm-hmm. he actually did it. And so because of that, I'm able to sort of separate myself. But if it was like hard truth, then it would be harder. But no, it's interesting because I can't ever, I've never been able to separate it because I saw him be really mean to a waitress once. And so it oh, like really did? backed it up. But I have to say, like, I genuinely think that the best part of this movie was his acting. He was so haunting. Yeah. He like, was I so the movie good. off And I kept seeing his face that like, you know what I mean? That, his like little starstruck face. Yeah. I yeah. guess I just don't want to bring it up again that I hate his guts because I do, but he was, and it hurts me to say he's great, but he was definitely by far the best part of this movie. He, I agree. Yeah. I kept, I was excited to watch him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I think some of the gang stuff was a little confusing. It was also a little bit montage It didn't really feel like a strong story arc um, yeah, for the but, first half. Yeah, and I think that is goes directly to because it's based on the book, and the book actually has no storyline. I was, I read an interview with Brad Pitt saying, like, we picked this book up and because we were fascinated on how to turn this, like, smattering of information, basically, into a story arc. And then right. it turned out that there really is no story arc. The story of this movie is watching their relationship unfold and the dance that they play. 
And I wish that that – and you know what? That's actually my first note was that it f- sort of feels like a river run th- runs through it. Right. It has um, those long like, contemplative stretches of beauty without any meat behind it. Right. And I think that um, – I mean, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what it is. There's just a lot of contemplating and like like shots of people thinking. Yeah. And it's that I've said this before and I think watching somebody think about something is usually pretty boring. Yeah. And there's a lot of it. it there's was a just lot of it. it's just so it was just too long, really, because but I do think I guess in a way though th- when by the end of the movie when you see Robert Ford like parading around. Oh my god, yeah. Um like, that action. That action is so wonderful. Like that that whole back end of the movie is so great. And I think that I think that although the first half of the movie was incredibly boring because it was just so slow and contemplative, it sort of pays off in the end because you sort of that adds to it in a way where Robert Ford you see Robert Ford doing this and you know how conflicting it is mm-hmm. for him because you've seen how it was for him when he was trying to get close to Robert right. to uh, Jesse James. You know I what I mean? I think that's true. I think like he was sort of in that agony. Yeah. yeah, you can you can definitely see it that way. You know, there's a four hour. Brad Pitt did a four hour cut. It played once at the Venice Film it. Festival. Four hours? Did they have an intermission? They, I fucking hope so. Um, but what I liked about this movie too, outside of Casey Affleck's acting, and I did think it was beautiful, and I did think that Brad Pitt did a good job. I mean, like he, I thought he was totally convincing. And there's parallels there that he talks about this whole time, but. I thought it was really interesting to think about the fetishization of murderers and sort of how we still do that. Yes. Um, And like with, with Manson, for instance, like our collective intrigue and almost like hero worship of these guys. Well, it's weird. Now there's like this trend of, of like crime, and like murder shows and podcasts and oh yeah, I've been talking about this everyone's a lot. obsessed. Yeah, everyone's obsessed because we all feel out of control, and it's like the one thing that you'll never know is whether or not you're going to get murdered. But I mean, specifically, yeah, like the obsession with like well, Bonnie and Clyde. I just watched Bonnie that movie Highwaymen, mm. which is new on Netflix, and it's with um, uh, what's his face? Those two guys. One of them is Woody Harrelson. Mm. Um, Woody Harrelson and the other dude um and it's a it's a pretty mediocre movie but it's a it's about bonnie and clyde and the two policemen that like track them down mm. and the whole movie like one of their biggest challenges is that they aren't getting any help from people because everyone loves bonnie and clyde even though they're violent murderers yeah it's so interesting um which brings me to the one sort of bit of press that brad pitt gave about this movie was that he felt a kindred to Jesse James because he, because Jesse James was like the star of the day. Like he was always in the public eye the whole time. He had this like sort of paranoia. And so Brad Pitt like genuinely um, was like, I really do feel a kindred to him, even though he was famous for murdering. He was like, at least there was no internet then. (laughs) Right. Um, Brad Pitt also did say, um, Wait a minute. Before we keep going and going and just rambling on, should we give a quick synopsis of this movie? I mean, let's just say that the movie's about Robert Ford, who killed Jesse James, um, and then like went on to become... Okay, so when Jesse James was killed, it was the biggest deal ever. His body was paraded around the country. It was turned into, like, people paid money to get the cards. He was lauded and heralded, and he's, like, become a piece of folklore in this country. Like, he's so famous. Train robber. The bare bones. Did you just smell something? Yeah, I got CBD. And you just smelled it? (laughs) Yeah, I just opened it for the first time. Gave it a whiff? Mm, Smell. (laughs) We both know that I can't. (laughs) Mm, Smells like peppermint. Uh, um, anyway, sorry that just distracted me. But you were so you were saying, yeah, it was his body was paraded around. Yeah. Uh, Point is, Jesse James. the storyline of this is like Jesse James and Frank and Jesse James are like in a gang. They've been robbing for years and years. And Jam- Jesse James is so famous at this point that there's even like um, cartoons about him. And right, and and Robert Ford grew up like admiring Jesse James. Yeah. And then he tried to go find Jesse James, join his gang. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
I a little bit am still, I guess I'm a little fuzzy still on the scene where he actually kills him. Um, first of all, I would guess we should say Robert Ford gets in cahoots with the police and um, yeah. he's like getting well, paid. all of the gang. So basically the movie opens with them robbing a train and ultimately yeah. they all kind of end up getting caught and confessing. And the cops are like, you you can run free and we'll give you award money if you kill him and you know him. So you probably have a chance to kill him. So, but they were all friends with him and he is this famous guy. So like, Ultimately, Jesse James kind of has been paranoid because he's been so famous and people know him for so long. He trusts the Ford brothers, Sam Rockwell and Casey Affleck. Barely, but still he needs these people into cahoots. But we never really know if he actually wants to use them or if he wants to kill them. There's this weird like psychological dance that they do. Ultimately, Ultimately, he reads an article. This is what happens in the end. He reads an article, Jesse James does, at his house that says that Dick Little, um, you know, had made a deal with the FBI, basically. And Jesse James is... Dick Little is one of his gang members. Yeah. Jesse James is... Obviously, he was like, hmm, it's three... That happened three weeks ago. So now he knows that the Ford brothers are also in on it because they made a deal with the FBI as well. And so he's like, they're going to kill me. He puts down his guns and they do kill him for fear of being killed themselves. Brad Pitt actually said that in an interview that um, he wasn't sure if that scene was supposed to be like Jesse James, um, like just giving up and being like tired of looking over his shoulder all the time. And he knew that these guys were going to kill him. So he just was like, fuck it. That's how I read it. Well, yeah. I mean, ultimately, that's the that's the take he decided to go with. Mm. But I guess he they shot it a few different ways because they also shot it in a way that could have been like an actual accident where he well not an accident but like he actually wasn't thinking about it and set his guns down. Right. Um, Because the way it plays out is very intentional. He like sets his gun down and he pets them and he like stands up and he goes, "Hmm, I'm gonna walk to the other side of my room and put the back my back to you." And it's like all very intentional. And so Robert Ford pulls his gun out and shoots Jesse James. Yeah. Oh, and also it's a good death. I gotta say that was a good death. Great death. Mary Louise Parker fucking killing it with the sorrow. Love Mary Louise Parker. Mm. Um. Anyway, and then after that, Robert Ford becomes infamous for killing jesse james and he takes he does this stage play where he reenacts the murder of jesse james over a hundred times over a hundred times on stage and he like does it like play by play and this is real this really happened and he really did that robert ford actually did that and it's just like i was talking about it this morning just crazy that he did the car and no he didn't yeah it's the same guy no it's not michael are you yeah, Robert to make Ford a joke? and kill Jesse. You're so skeptical of me. I you're like, like, is you this person stupid? Goddamn dummy! <laughs> <laughs> You'd think they'd mention it. Um, anyway, so yeah. So he actually did that in real life, though. He did parade around, and then he like and is weird. Like him. someone, people hated him. Someone, what did someone yell out that made him so furious? Coward. Coward, yeah. right. The coward Robert Ford. It was and he really... like went out to the audience and fought the guy. Yeah, I mean, I, that's why I have to, again, give credit to, to Casey Affleck because the range of emotions and like the snivelingness of that character who like had clearly been made fun of his whole life and who was clearly, you know, obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with Jesse James. There's that one scene where he like gets into his bed and pretends that he's missing a finger and he smells the pillow and he, you know what I mean? And it's like, he, it's weird. he plays that really creepy range of emotions so well. And Jesse James the whole time sort of knows that it's there and he doesn't hate it. And he sort of loves having a fanboy. I would yeah. love to just really quickly skip ahead. In the time of our podcast to say what Roger Ebert has to say about their relationship. Oh, okay. Yeah. Few things have earned me more grief from readers than my recent suggestion that in the sport of sex, Captain Renault of Casablanca plays for both teams. I think I will get less disagreement when I focus on the homosexual undertones of the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Since sex between them is out of the question, their relationship turns into a curiously erotic dance of death. 
Love that. Do you, you agree know, with also, that? I did not think I sex at all the whole time. I understand well, you, now having read that, but I didn't think that it was erotic at all. Well, guess what? Someone, an interviewer, asked Brad Pitt about that. Oh, great. And great, they great, said, great. you know, this movie's kind of homoerotic. Hmm. Um, what did you, what did, how would you respond to that? And Brad Pitt just said, well, isn't every guy a little gay? Well, you know how it feels about gays, gaysies. Yeah, he loves gays. Um, and he agreed. He said that there was a, a definitely a homosexual tension there. It I just like a, didn't see it that way. I didn't. I didn't. I guess I. Like, I was an interview so, with the vampire, that was hardcore. I mean, that was overt. That was basically <laughs> softcore porn. Yeah. But there's. There's a. I guess I just was so distracted by the fact that this movie was long, and I kept trying to figure out, like, where are we going with this? I, that's what I kept thinking. Like, where's this going to go? Like, what are we doing here? And it wasn't towards – well, it wasn't basically until he killed Robert – or he, he killed Jesse James that I realized, oh, this is just about their relationship. And, yeah. like, I guess I should have caught on to that earlier. But, like, what movie did we watch last week where we were, like, show us the action? Mm, Ocean's maybe, 13. Oh, maybe I was, think, it was thinking of this. Because in this movie, they kept talking about stuff that was happening, and I think that right, it was a really weird way. They keep explaining. Okay, so here. Okay, uh, let me just humor me for a second. So yeah. the studio was telling them this needs to have more action in it, yeah. and Brad Pitt and the writer and director were both saying like, "No, this movie is contemplative, and it's uh, it's about the relationship between Robert Ford and Jesse James." Yeah. It's and but the studio was like, well, it's a western. It should have some western shit. Yeah. And so it felt. I don't know. I guess it just felt like it needed some action in it. Totally. Um, or it felt like it was teasing action because they kept explaining stuff that would have been great to watch. Exactly like, right. Exactly. Like they right. kept saying cool fight scenes happen, and like I don't know. I just wanted to see like the cunning of Jesse James. I guess. This wasn't his peak, though. This was more of his decline. So that's what's really interesting. Going in it, you think you're about to see the epic of Jesse James and his demise. But what you see is his demise. It starts with him crumbling into a place of paranoia. And you don't and you don't get that until the end. But yeah, I guess I guess because I don't know enough about Jesse James, it doesn't feel like it feels like we're supposed to go into it understanding where Jesse James's psyche is. But you. And I guess maybe the the original script was 300 pages, which yeah. would have been a, like a three and a half hour movie. Yeah. And so it would have – I guess it would have been maybe have more exposition about Jesse James's notoriety and his, his cunning and like coolness. Right. Um, but we didn't get that. And no. so I – it was uh, – well, you know, it, it was what it, what it was. But I kept wanting there to be more action. Like I wanted there to be cooler stuff. Um, yeah. Well, I have to say, like, I agree with you. I don't even know if I needed more action. I just could have cut away with a lot of the I just would have trimmed a lot of the fat, you know, like because you kill, you still could have gotten that contemplative, you know, people thinking sort of vibe and it still would have been effective, you know. But then again, like. I think there is something to be said with the length of it just to tease out the tension. Like, cause you get exactly. so, by the time it's over, you're so, I was so at least so like anxious and stressed out even after the death where I was just like, I could feel that like we needed that pull. It felt like something was going to happen. Right. We needed also, that needing. How weird, how weird was that fight scene where they were like shooting at each other at close range and they were just missing. There was a gunfight. Yeah. With Sam Rockwell. And it was like, yeah, yeah, in the house. That the whole storyline like, could have been either expounded upon confusing. or cut off entirely. This movie was sort of like playing Red Dead Redemption, but only ha- being forced to watch the cutscenes and not able to play any of the fun parts. Right. I think it's also really funny that, <laughs> that, um, I don't even know what I was going to say. Ooh. Okay. Well, there was a that's... funny thing. Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption. Oh, here's what it was. Here's what I was going to say. Is that they actually, it was supposed to be released two years before it was released, but then I had to get recut. And so I wonder if, because, I I forget exactly, but I think it was like the studio. Well, I know the editor, the editor quit to to go work on There Will Be Blood. Yeah, and thank God for that. 
thank God for that because he was like, I have an idea, but this movie's not doing it. And then he went to There Will Be Blood, and he's like, this is what I want. Boing. <laughs> like Talk a better about. version of this movie well and that's what we wanted right it was like a profile of of that powerful powerhouse who's like really sad on the, like there will be blood has that character kind of similar to jesse james where it's just like he's a powerhouse but he's like miserable on the inside there will you be know? blood is, is a masterpiece a fucking and masterpiece. you know what's great is we're watching a coen brothers movie next week i know but there will... it's funny because this Coen Brothers movie that we're watching tomorrow, they wrote it at the same time that they were writing No Country for Old Men. The Coen Brothers are on their game this in is 2007. peak Coen Brothers. They did Burn After Reading, There Will Be Blood, and No Country for Old Men in the same fucking year. They yeah. are on it. I would like to ask you what you thought about Brad Pitt in this movie. Uh, who? Just kidding. Um... <laughs> he played Jesse James. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, well, well, well. Mr. Brad Pitt did. I think he did good. I mean, I don't think he looks that good with a gun. I Ooh, I just thought Interesting perspective. Yeah, I don't know. He he looks... I just... I guess I just... At this point, I've seen him in so many things, and I always like him best when, he, when he's not playing a serious guy with a gun. Hmm. I like him to be either a devastated, broken man, which he's pretty close to that in this. Uh, um, but he also has like an ego, so that's weird. Um, he's cracked. He's gone maniacal. Yeah, he's a little maniacal, which which I don't know if 100% if that's working. But I I do think that he doesn't look as great with a gun. And he looks better when he's like got that smirk. And he didn't really have that smirk in this. Mm-hmm. He didn't have that. He didn't play that any knowing, sexy. Zero sexy. Zero sexy. Not cheeky either. It wasn't. He didn't have like that. Uh, right. There's two Brads. There's the sexy Brad and then there's the cheeky Brad. And we didn't get either of these. Well, there's also sad Brad, which he mm. is good. And when, when I think of like um, legends, legends, sad Brad fall. is oh. the best Brad. And you can count. Everybody always thinks that like burn after reading Brad is the rest. And I haven't seen it yet. And obviously we'll talk about it next week. But I love a sad Brad. And when Brad's crying, he's winning my heart. Oh, Almost 100%. Exclusively. I do want to read a quote, if you wouldn't mind, from the director. Um, Andrew Dominic about what he said about casting Brad Pitt. Okay. He said it was the sort of part that you could cast a movie star and it, he said it was the sort of part that you could cast a movie star in and it would make sense. It wouldn't be miscasting Brad who you never really feel like, you know, on screen. He's always retained kind of an essential mystery. He's not a person people really identify with. He's more of an object to them. They aspire to him, but they don't really identify with him. Those were really good qualities for Jesse. They're both enigmatic and character and charismatic. I think that's actually a great assessment. Um, across the board, right? I was really impressed yeah, by that quote. That's really that's a very he, like he nails it. And yeah, he's not a person people really identify with. He's more of an object. They aspire to be him, but they don't really identify with him. And I think we've touched on that a lot. We have, and I think that that sort of sums up why we like cheeky brad so much because he's easier to identify with Mm. and when he's playing a role like this it's hard to identify with him but he is kind of the perfect man for the role like there's not that many people who could do this role yeah because i think you're right not that many people fully identify with it um so i guess i don't know like and he does genuinely identify with the character of jesse james and he also it's interesting because he's in full-fledged producing mode now where it's like yeah. this is a movie that he didn't just act in. He really made a lot of the actual. Like his name isn't just producer Brad Pitt because he has he owns the company. Like I think he actively engaged in making the movie what it was. I think he actively engaged in the direction of the movie too. Absolutely, because they they worked with I think it was 20th Century Fox maybe mm-hmm. um, to make this movie and and he put it in his contract that they couldn't change the name. And he's he, done that before. He really fucking gets behind these movies, and we're seeing it time and time involved, again. Yeah, he gets involved on a very creative level because mm-hmm. he he cares, and I appreciate that about, about him. He also loves this era, Ugh, the turn too. of the century. I mean, I do too, and I, I get why. But like, I think that this movie had to happen in order to make Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, absolutely. I would. I I I agree with that. I also have to say, like watching it, there was a couple scenes where they're on horseback in the snow and you know it's not a snow machine and you're just like, God damn it, it must have fucking sucked 
to have made this movie. It was doesn't look like it was a fun movie to make. Did you actually do any research about how it was made? Because I didn't. The production? Yeah. No, not really. Yeah. I didn't really. It wasn't. I, I know. I, I did read a quote. From, I, I read a quote from Brad that said it was really tough. Like they shot it in 10 weeks and that it was really shitty. And he was like, and that's why I feel so proud of this movie. Because I think, I think, I think during the time it was getting made, people in Hollywood were talking about what a shit show it was. And so he, he kind of passively said like, I'm glad we made a better movie than people expected. Basically. Right. Well, it, it is a good movie. I mean, wait, where are we in time-wise? We, is it time for numbers or is yeah, it early? Yeah, let's do numbers. I say let's go into it. It's not flowing naturally. We're half an hour in. Okay. Well, I just think that – so they had a $30 million budget, which mm. is what, about what you would expect. It's big, but it's about what you would expect for to have stars like Brad Pitt, Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. and Casey Affleck. And Casey Affleck, although he plays a – a young guy he's a big actor at this time he had just come off doing the oceans movies too yeah. he's like a popular guy and his brother's uh, popular so casey affleck was in his was in his early 30s and brad pitt was in his early 40s and in the world of the james of this whole saga he yeah. would have been 20 and brad pitt would have been 50 no brad pitt was supposed to be 30s sorry 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 late 30s like he would have been early 40s brad pitt was like around the time I yeah, think was, I think he was 38 when he died. You know what would have been interesting is Shia LaBeouf was going to play Robert I Ford. I know. And I think that would have been good because I think in the same way that that Brad Pitt is fitting for the role of Jesse James in that there's a lot of similarities between his life. I think Shia LaBeouf has a lot of similarities to Robert Ford where he totally. wants to be taken seriously, first of all. Let me tell you, I know I met I knew him in high school. I made out with him one time. <laughs> <laughs> i hate that you have not brought that up earlier why are we just now what episode is this 30 29 29 and we're just now finding out that you made out with shiloh okay sorry you're gonna need to tell that whole story i feel like this isn't the right episode to tell it oh okay which episode would be the right one to tell it? so i had just been kicked out of high school <laughs> she's a bad girl <laughs> I had just she's kicked- a real <laughs> uh yeah i had just been kicked out of high school and i went to the school called the san fernando valley professional school which was like a continuation school for like disney kids basically and mm-hmm. it was around homecoming season me and my friend marcy were like hopping around all these disney kid parties um and I ran into Shia LaBeouf at three homecoming parties in a row. And I had my hair really long and straight. The very first party, he was like, you look like a witch. And I was like, fuck you. He was shooting Holes at the time. You remember the movie Holes? Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember Holes. I (laughs) love that movie. So then I saw him on the second party. He was like, oh, my God, you're a witch. And I was like... And then he chased me around being like, you're a witch. You're literally chased me around the party saying, you're a witch, you're a witch. Then I saw him the third party. And he was Is like, he a second grader? Like, He's like, come over here, witch. And then we smoked oh. a little opium. And then we made out. Opium? <laughs> Who are you? You smoked opium with Shia LaBeouf and then made out with him. That is so fucking funny. <laughs> oh, my God. I fucking love that story. Yeah. I hate that. That's, so, that's very... That's Jesse very James. that's very growing up in Los Angeles. Oh, opium. Where did you even get opium? I thought they only had that in like 1930. And what's funny is like it was in a tent. Like I'll never forget it was like an inside outside tent like in the hills of Hollywood, some rich kid's house. God, yeah. And I never heard well, from him before or since. And he wasn't the Shia that we know and love today. He was much more no. Shia then. He was yeah. Shia now is um Gone a off little the rails. volatile. He's gone off the rails. Yeah. He could have played Robert he, Ford, though. He little... really could have. He was too young, but he could have, like, I could see that crazy, you know? He, I think, yeah, it's just his, he has such a young face. Like, right now, he could play Robert Ford. He looks haggard as fuck. Maybe, maybe five years ago, he could play Robert Ford. I don't know. He just... I like to think it's that one opium trip he had in high school that really pushed him over the edge. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, let's go with that. He so <laughs> I don't. I really would have liked him to see him do it. I think he would have been great. 
I again, anyway. I think he would have been great, but I have to say again that my favorite part of this movie was Casey Affleck, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And I loved him watching him. And you know what it was when I turned off the TV. His face was burned into my brain. It wasn't Brad. It wasn't the cinematography. It was like that sad face of like he knows that people hate him. It, it's that. It's that guilt. You know, it's sort of like the um, Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr situation. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Well, you froze. Um, okay. So, let's see. So, I was going to tell you the numbers. Um, yeah. So, like I said, budget was $30 million for this movie, which, like we said, that's about right. It's domestic. Are you ready? It's kind of sad. Mm. It's domestic gross was $3.9 million. Oh, my God. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing that it's Plan opening, B is still making movies. Yeah, it's opening weekend. It made $147,000. <laughs> what else came out that weekend? Well, it was only open in five theaters, but that weekend also came out Resident Evil Extinction Never. and Good Luck Chuck. Both terrible. I mean, like, are you joking? 2007, like- man. 2007 was a bad time for entertainment across the board. No, it wasn't. Well, we were just talking about how great it was. Oh, you're right. I mean, I mean, <laughs> money wise, not maybe not creatively. Money wise, yeah. Well, it. And then when it finally came out in all theaters, it made six hundred and thirty-three thousand, which is still abysmal. That was yeah. like two weeks later. Um, and at that time, what was also out was the Heartbreak Kid. Never heard of it. Um. It's like a honeymoon movie, I think, starring um, Ben Affleck. Um, no, 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 not Ben Affleck. Uh, fuck it, whatever. Um, but, like, nothing else was out. I don't know why it doesn't make more money. It's super weird. Um, yeah, anyway, it's worldwide gross. It's international gross was $11 million, so it's worldwide was $15.3 million. That's it. It didn't even. Fuck. It barely made half of its money back. Wow. And then its DVD sales were ten point one million. Wow, God, that's amazing. So it didn't ever make its money back. It's still five million dollars in the hole. Holy shit! That is so. That's the first time that's ever happened to us in this podcast. I think so. Yeah. I think that's the first time it never ever made its move its money back. That is so upsetting. Or maybe I, Johnny Swade. That's upsetting. <laughs> well, speaking of Johnny Swade, um, the soundtrack was done by Nick Cave. Oh, wow. And do you remember that Nick Cave had that moment in Johnny Swade? Mm. Nick Cave played the other cool guy. The other, the, the guy that Johnny Swade wanted oh, to be. Oh, right, right, right. And he was like, hey. Yeah, yeah he's that. like, hey, dude. And then Nick Cave did this. Okay, I have a couple things to say about the soundtrack. They wrote the score before the movie was made, which I know, I, which is so weird. I don't do like that. that. I don't like that. It felt for, I mean, like it was fine. It worked. It was a very turn of the century score, but it was like, and it worked like with the action, but I don't know. I feel like there's something disingenuous about that, but Nick Cave himself can be seen singing the ballad of Jesse James. He's the guy that's singing on the guitar when Robert Ford turns around and says, I'm Robert Ford. And he gets kicked out of the bar. Oh, right. That's Nick Cave. So it's funny because I how fun yeah I put that together myself. Normally that's an IMDb fun fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you should submit it as an IMDb fun fact. I gotta tell you, people don't take me seriously enough. I have a brain that works like rocket ships in the night. Wow. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you constantly prove it to me with senses like that. (laughs) Starships. Are meant to fly. Um, anyway, beautiful. Should we do the ratings? Um, I suppose. I guess it's ratings time. I mean, we're forty minutes in. Why not have a quickie? Yeah, let's do. Let's do the ratings. All right. So this across movie, this movie was too long, so we can make our podcast a little short. We're because if it. you've watched the movie, then you're done thinking about it. So yeah. Also, like I said earlier, I didn't do. I I, fa- I failed as a podcaster this week because I didn't sit down. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a moment. Granted, my life was crazy, like between the stomach flu and the ER. I was like. <laughs> no one's no one's mad at you for having a hard week, so don't I'm worry. I'm mad at myself. Anyway, okay. 
IMDb gives it a 7.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 76%. Metacritic gives it 68%. 91% of this movie was liked by Google users. Oh, wow. Google's so weird. Like, what the Google's fuck? Google's weird. It, I, I think, again, it's... I think Who first, knows what it's based on? I think it's based on people actually liking it. I just think the volume of people using Google to look at it, maybe. Maybe looking at it Also, up. I think... I think people who have seen this movie went into it. It's the the only type of person who could sit through this whole movie and have an opinion on it are people who would like it. Yeah, and it's interesting because I remember watching this as a kid and really loving it. Oh, you do? Oh, that's right. You kept saying, like, oh, this movie's so good. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, and I watched it when I was, I mean, I guess 2007. I was 20. Weird. Yeah. Anyway. um, E.W., the nervy style of this newfangled Western, with its eerie, insinuating score by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, is so effective that long after Pitt and Affleck have left the screen, emotional disturbance lingers like gun smoke. A. Wow. Mm. And then Ebert. A? A. And then Ebert gives it 3.5 out of 4 stars and goes on to capitulate about the fucking and sucking of the homosexual characters. Right. Well... You know what? Fuck Robert, Roger Ebert. I hate the fucking high horse he sits on. We say this every week. I've come around on the EW, and now I've taken all of the score Ebert. to Ebert. Yeah, Ebert's trash now. <laughs> you know what? I'll say it. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he got real, real scary right before he died. What do you mean? His like, like, face me too started stuff? to melt off. Oh. Yikes. Any, yikes okay. Any hoosers. Well, what are so what are your ratings? So should we start with overall or do you want, let's go backwards. Let's start with Brad and end with overall. Okay, so his looks. Um well you go first on his looks. As I was walking home today through the sunny park. By the way, it's seven, it's 50, 67 degrees outside and sunny. Ooh, wonderful. Yeah, I, it's um it's a nice like 70 degrees here right now. Yeah, got a good a good scooter session in this morning. So oh, you know, like... you're going to buy a scooter, right? Or you you pay for the line bike. I pay for the line bike, but it's so cheap. It's it's a dollar to unlock it and then 15 cents a minute. Listen, people who are listening. Yeah. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, it's a lime scooter, which yeah, is this a scooter... is not the first time you've brought up a line bike on this podcast, Michael. Well, but... I'm explaining it again cuz I got to tell I've never I... seen anyone more I... upset. <laughs> Obsessed. They're so, so stupid fun, and I love making little videos of them. And I want Lime to sponsor us. By the way, Lime, I could give a great commercial for you guys. Although I'm not sure 100 percent that they would approve of the way that I use it. Yeah, <laughs> it involves like, a lot of jumps. I feel anyway, like there's a lot of jumps. I feel like there's some falling down. Lack you also a bought a motorcycle this week. Would you care to tell our listeners about what kind of motorcycle you bought? No, I don't want to talk about it. I my boyfriend bought a motorcycle, and I. I'm helping him get it up and going, and I we're can't kind wait of to see him in full drag on that bike. Yeah, the guy who sold it to us was like, "Oh yeah, I want to see you in full drag on that motorcycle." Full time, big time, meatball. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I was walking through the park on this beautiful day, thinking, like, what am I going to say about Brad Pitt's, Pitt's looks? So two things I got to say: they definitely paled him up, and they definitely darkened his hair. I like him on the lighter side. Yes. Yes. I mean, yes. Uh, you know, and the zero sex appeal of his acting didn't make for good looks. I'm going to give him a five. They also hyped really? up his pockmarks a lot. Yeah. It's weird. I don't think of Brad as having like acne scars, but he fully does. Yeah. I and mean, they really played up into them and they made him look like... Here's the thing. I'm not talking about his performance. I'm talking about the way he looks and his hair and all that. They made him haggard. They made him weathered. And I wasn't sexually attracted to him. I think they did a good job of weathering him. You know what? They did a good job of weathering him. I'm going to give him a six. That's my final answer. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give him like a five. I, I, they sure they did a good job of weathering him, but he doesn't, he looks like, tired and yeah. pale i think that's he looks really pale and especially set against that dark black hair yeah and the, the goatee i don't like a goatee 
No, goatees can general. goatee fuck themselves. You know what I mean? Goatees can goatee hell. They can goatee hell. That was better, Michael. You win the game. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're giving him a six. I'm giving him a five. No, I'm giving him a five point. I'm giving him a five, too. I feel more comfortable with five. Okay. Um, now for his acting? Acting? I'm going to give him a, a, a seven. I think it was... No, a six. I'm going to give him a six. I'm going to give him an eight. I think he did a oh. great job at that role. I think... I can't imagine a better... I guess I am like halfway. Six and a half for me. Yeah. I'm going to give him an eight. I think he did good. I, I didn't ever see Brad Pitt. I saw Jesse James. And I think that he... I'm also going to give him a little bit more points for having produced and like taken the movie into consideration. And I feel like I respected him in this role. I didn't, I wasn't ever like, Oh, Brad, you know, which I do often. True. I do. I do often. And that's the thing we, but we like doing that. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. I love doing that. Yeah. The other thing I want to say that I meant to say at the top of the podcast is like within the first five minutes, the narrator goes, Jesse James, he like lost the pit of his finger and he has a terrible blinking disorder. He blinks more than most people. Brad Pitt did not blink one time. You do not see him blink one time. It's like, why even state that fact if you're not going to enunciate it? It actually pissed me off the whole time. So much of that narration was just like, why are you telling me this stuff? Yeah. I sort of didn't really need a lot of the narration because I was confused anyway. I think you're going back to the point you said earlier. I think you're right. Like they they put that in there to try to give it more action that it didn't have. See, it seemed like an afterthought. Also, the voice didn't sound of that time. So the narration in general. Yeah. I think I wrote a note about it. I think I said I'm not wild about a nar- about this narrator. No, and we haven't had a movie that's narrated in a while. No, and our. And the first like six episodes of this podcast have we're, we have talked about narration a lot. Yeah. Um, and then overall. Overall, I'm gonna give this movie a six. Okay. You want to explain yourself? Yeah, I guess I just. Um, no, I'm gonna give it a five and a half because I don't Whoa. really, I didn't really love this movie. Yeah. I was bored. It was too long. I was bored. It felt sort of a little uh, convoluted, mm. like they were trying to play out too many storylines. They were playing, trying to play out a bunch of storylines that each needed a lot of time to develop, but they didn't flesh out a couple of the storylines enough, and I wish they had just focused on one aspect of it and you know, made some of the other B stories a little smaller so that they could actually finish. Yeah. Um, and the the weird narration thing, like the the story was honestly confusing because I I was I was searching so hard for a clear narrative and like a clear plot totally that I was sort of missing the actual plot, which was the relationship between Jesse James and Robert Ford. Yeah. So if they had just simplified the plot so that I could focus on the relationship between Jesse James and Robert Ford, you know, it, I feel like the narration was intended to simplify and be used as a glue but it didn't work yeah Um, i was confused so okay that's that makes total sense i am right there with you i'm gonna give it a seven okay because when i did enjoy watching it i did the back end of the movie to me was really great like legitimately the last hour and 40 minutes i liked and that is the length of a movie (laughs) You know what I mean? <laughs> I know, right. So, like, the movie that I liked within the movie that I watched gets a seven. But you know what? You know what I like that you don't really see this anymore because TV is so TV is so good now. Mm-hmm. But like back in the day, do you remember? Occasionally, in a, a movie would have a movie that has a plot line, and then it would end before a bigger plot is actually has time to finish and then a sequel would come out yeah where it's actually just a continuation of the story that has new challenges but it's also a continuation of the story it's not like a movie that they test out if the movie does well then they decide to make a sequel it's like a movie where a sequel is planned yeah as built in in part of the movie like this movie they could have just made two things where like disagree you don't think so? I think they could have made one movie where it's the height of Jesse James and then Robert Ford like comes in it. Well, sure. And- you could make two separate movies. 
where they introduce Robert Ford in the last half of the first movie, and then we see it happen in the second movie. But I think that negates the point of this movie, which was to illustrate the very nature of their relationship and the assassin. The movie is called The Assassination of Jesse James. It's not called The Rise and Fall of Jesse James. You know what I mean? Like, Wait, how cool would a trilogy have been? Uh, if, now I'm getting I'm getting so crazy, but like well, they made that. a trilogy about the rise and fall of Jesse James, and this a truncated version of this movie was the last installment. That would be great. Oh fuck yeah, I'd love that. But that's not what happened, Michael. We can't no, it's live not. in a fantasy land, Michael. Yeah, I constantly do live in a fantasy. I know, land. me too. I live in LA. The world is scary, and so we got to make our own worlds. Anyway, yeah, I, I think thus concludes. The assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, and I have to say, Thank I God. loved that they didn't they didn't cut down the title. I actually really liked that it was that. I long. like the title. I think it's yeah. a great title. Yeah, I love a long tie. Me too. Um, next week we are gonna do Burn After Reading, which ah. I'm very excited about. I've never seen it. Every time I tell people I'm about to watch Burn After Reading, they go, "That's by far Brad Pitt's best role, and it's a great movie, and I'm really happy for you." So it's, I can't it wait. It is, and and we're gonna have a guest again, and it's going to be. The Silver Lake icon, Tony Soto, who is one of my favorite people. He's so funny and so fun, and he has a bunch of podcasts. And he's, I think, a great person. Also, gays love this movie. I don't really know why. I think it's because everyone is just fun and stupid in it, and it's like a whole. The whole movie is about misinterpolation. Wait, are you telling me that Tony Soto's gay? Yeah. Is that going to be a problem for you? I'm not wild about the game. I'm sorry, Chelsea. Do you you need to voice something? (laughs) I'm just kidding. All right. Love you all so much. Thank you for listening. If you got it this far. If you got this far, thank you. And um, if you got this far, then you probably already do follow our socials. But if you don't, follow our socials. We have This Is The Pits Pod on Instagram and at The Pits Pod on Twitter. And what's our email address again? This is the pits pod at gmail.com. But who the fuck emails anymore? Somebody email. But if, if, you, you if I get an email within three days of this podcast coming out, I will pay the emailer a hundred bucks for the first person that emails. What? Why would you say that? But I mean, it's okay. a test to see if anybody gets this far. Mom and dad excluded from this competition. Guess what, everybody? Chelsea's rich and she wants you to know it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.